Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. That's because we have a lot of jealousy in this country. But look at me. Look at me, cameraman. Zoom it. The Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, now managed by the Doctor of Style. That's it, Daddy. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. All big Tempe Buccaneer fame, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 106. And if you know anything about the special guest we have on the show today, you know exactly why that song is playing to kick things off. But before we get into that, let me introduce you. If you're new around here, I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Evan Wanish. Evan, how are you doing today, my man? I'm uh, doing pretty good. Really excited for the guest we have on today. I am too, man. I am too. This is a guy who is uh, one of the OGs of Buccaneers podcasting. And Evan, I know you're pumped about this, so I'll let you introduce our guest. Yeah, uh, sure. So uh, I listened to a lot of Bucks podcasts over the years, and one of my favorites was the Bucks Brief podcast. And of course, the host of the Bucks Brief podcast is the man who is with us tonight, is Mr. Chris Fisher. Chris, how you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. It's my good friend, the Iron Sheik, would say. Pleasure to speak to the intelligent Buccaneer fans. You are no jabroni. You are the real. Although you've, you're in a Flyers. I don't know if I can talk to you in a Flyers hoodie, man. Sorry. Yeah, I do know that flyers. You're, you're a Devils fan. I do know yeah. that. My team will say well, the season's probably done, but they stink, so it's okay. <laughs> I saw I'm from story. Philly, too. I mean, I'm from Philly. so I saw a story come out today that says the NHL is looking for a July start to the regular season. <sighs> so, I mean, we have to wait I and see how see. all of this BS plays out, but fingers crossed, right? Who knows? So. I don't know, man. Thanks for the kind word, guys. I, I appreciate it. You, uh, your podcast is one that I check out. Uh, it's... Uh, I think if it's got a good formula. You guys think with logic. You talk it out. You may not agree with what each other says, but you don't speak with emotion. You speak with passion, and you do your homework, and I greatly appreciate that. That's the kind of content that I look for. Hey, thank you thank so you. much, man. It's all about just kind of you know paving your way, doing something that sets you apart from everybody else because we know that there is a plethora of Bucks podcasts. I mean, if we are spoiled in anything, it's Bucks media to listen to, whether it's from – a big established source like the Tampa Bay Times or even the Buccaneers themselves putting out content. You've got all the fan content as well, and we're just glad to be a part of it and have people like you support us. So thank you for coming on to the show. We have got a lot of good stuff to talk about, so let's just jump right into it. The Brady press conference. Finger quotes, right? I I mean, it was a phone conference call that took place. Jason Light, Bruce Arians, and Tom Brady were on the line with an unnamed guy kind of guiding the call. And then you had media people calling in and asking their questions. You got a lot of good responses out of Brady. You got a lot of stereotypical responses out of Tom Brady. We'll kind of talk about that here in a second. But 
I mean, was it just really awkward to anybody else? Like, it, it was cool at first, but after a few minutes, it was just kind of weird. All the, the long six-seven-second uh, six, silences between reporters asking their questions and just, I don't know, it, it, felt, it felt really weird to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed the elevator music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, Tom. Uh, it's uh, Chris from the Bucks. Be- uh, Bucks be- uh, brief. I can't even say it anymore. Podcast. Uh, welcome to Tampa. Silence. <laughs> and then he'd go to talk, and oh yeah, here's my question. So yeah, it was uh, a little awkward, but it's it's a press conference, and I think uh, you know they they did what they could audio standpoint. Mine crashed on the Bucks website. I, I for some reason no, none of their live feeds worked for me. I went directly to YouTube and pulled it up there. Uh, very very. Very PC for a PC. Um, nothing too exciting, but uh, got some of the local media, got their questions in, some of the national media. So, yeah, I mean, uh, good to hear from from BA and good to hear from uh, from Jason Light. And, of course, now that it's official, it was good to hear from Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, did you guys notice that, like, Arians talked for about, like, 25 seconds or so? Like, like he didn't really talk much. And then I think that was, like, the most silence because it was going Jason Light talked and then Arians, but what Arians was saying was basically already what Light was saying, and Arians talked for about twenty seconds, and then it was silence, and then Tom just started out of nowhere. It it seemed like a lot of rehashing of the same thing. Like I could have sworn that Brady gave the same answer for six different questions. Like you could have just copy and pasted his response and exactly what he brought up. I mean, I wanted to ask you guys about this because I think it's something we have to prepare for when you look at Tom Brady press conferences is his art of question dodging. There was one guy who snuck in. I don't remember where he was reporting from. I want to say it was Boston or L.A., uh, but it wasn't a Tampa reporter. And he had asked Brady a two-part question. He was like, first off, have you talked to Chris Godwin about who's going to wear number 12? And the second question, I don't even remember, to be quite honest with you. And I was really looking forward to Brady answering the question about the number, and he didn't even address it. I mean, he very well may have forgotten it, but I feel like it's also a thing where he's been in New England long enough. That's kind of the way up there between the head coach and the quarterback who has to give all the cliche answers. I feel like this is a guy who knows how to dodge questions, and we got to get used to that. Got to get used to his beaming smile as well when we actually get to see him. Like, he's got... (laughs) So Josh McCown in the history of Bucks quarterbacks, best hair, right? Josh McCown by 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 far. Josh McCown best hair. <laughs> Tom Brady best smile, maybe. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think so. I watched. I went. I went back and watched a few of Brady's uh, press conferences with New England last year, and um, yeah, he just walks up, just starts smiling. Everybody. He always asks them how they're doing. Like you even heard it on the call. Like he was asking certain people how they were doing. I just think he's just like a he's a good people guy, you know. And I feel like it was a little bit awkward on the phone, but obviously with the circumstances, not much you could have done. Um, and I just think that if it was an actual press conference, like with the table and the reporters standing there at one book place, uh, or I'm sorry, Advent Health Training Center now, um, I I still can't get used to that, but. Um, I feel like it would have been much less awkward and like much more. I know a lot of people were bummed because like they wanted to see like they wanted to actually watch something and not really hear it because you've heard everything like that's another form of radio. But um, you know, it, it still was was uh, pretty good to hear from him. Uh, Bruce Arians today actually said that he thinks that Brady and Godwin have already worked out uh, the number twelve situation. So not sure he didn't he didn't say w- what it worked out to be, but. He's wearing 12. When I say he, it's pronouns pal. I'm saying Tom Brady. He's going to wear 12. Come on now. Capital, yeah, capital H. H. He got a whole brand. 
when you have a whole brand of around TB12, I think it's hard to not switch from 12. You know, even though it does seem like Goblin really doesn't want to switch, but yeah, it is what it is at the end of the day. Now, Tom Brady to Tampa is a fairly recent thing. Everybody's been talking about it. I know opinions have been thrown out everywhere, but Chris, really quick, we just wanted to get kind of your uh, your little recap on how you feel about Brady to Tampa. Are you excited about it? Are you uh, a little hesitant about what the future holds in Tampa Bay. Do you think it's going to make an immediate change? Where are you on the Brady train? I'm excited about it just because of the fact that I think if we go back and look at transactions, coaching decisions that this team has made. Well, look, guys, I mean, we've been miserable for how many years? You know, that that's one thing to think about. It provides a little bit of hope. I know fans typically go into season to each season and, and have some hope. You know, the B.A., I think, was the biggest thing going into last year. But look how the season started. I mean, they guys, they were very close to potentially blowing the whole thing up. If we go back and look at some of these games, man, and they, they lose in the four in a row. And then if that Arizona game didn't didn't go and we, our defense didn't con, uh, pick up some turnovers there, you got a potential of potentially six losses in a row. And, and what do they do at that point? So. I always say temper your expectations, but it's just exciting, man. It, it's it's like a Gruden acquisition. I wasn't that excited about the Keyshawn Johnson trade, but if you just look at overall, how in the hell did this happen for Tampa Bay, right? And that's how we look at it. Like hmm. we are, we are like. <laughs> it's because the world's the, the, coming to an end. That's exactly how it happened. I guess for Tampa so. Bay. I, I guess so. Uh, you know, people people are calling the Corona hotline, trying to talk to John Gruden or, or Tony Romo, and and then Tom Brady makes the call to come down to Tampa Bay. So I think it's it's, it's exciting just because it's Tom Brady, and uh, you know, I, you know, turnovers and just just bad bad positions, bad scenarios uh, happened for the Bucks last year, and and put the team in some bad situations uh, where we saw you know each game was a freaking roller coaster, guys. I mean, my God. Mental, the, the, like the just the mental and emotional toll those games would take on fans, just the up and down, up and down, up and down. I, I think was exhausting. You guys have to talk about it every week. I don't. I'm like, oh my god, thank God I don't have to go on a microphone and talk about what just happened on Sunday. But I think it's exciting, guys. You know how can how can you not be excited? I think there's maybe just the the subset of folks who were not so much Buccaneer fans. They were Jameis Winston fans, and it's they're going to be very negative about it. And hopefully, though, when they win some games, we can we can turn them around. And it's kind of funny that you brought that subsect of fans up because I kind of wanted to dive into that. Didn't want to spend too much time on it because people can jump on any social media and see it for themselves. We don't have to tell them exactly what's going on, but. The departure of Jameis Winston and the arrival of Tom Brady, I don't know which one more so, but I mean, that division of Jameis Winston fans and Buccaneer fans is is huge these past few days. I mean, I woke up on Twitter this morning and people are just turning on Bruce Arians saying that, oh, I don't like Bruce anymore because of the way that he treated Brady, which is amazing because if you watched any of his press conferences the first 10 weeks of the season... You would have seen, or I'm sorry, not treated Brady. You know what I meant. Treated Janus. Treated Winston. Yes. Sure. But if you would have looked at his press conferences, the first 12 weeks of the season, I mean, the guy put Jameis on a pedestal more than several times. So it, it's just, I don't know, man. What what is what is your take on everything going on right now? The Twitter world imploding. Evan, how about you, man? Because I got a lot to say about this. <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna make it short and sweet. So. Uh, basically, you know what Rhett said. It's it's a lot of Jameis Winston fans. It's a lot of Buccaneers fans, and I think the Jameis Winston fans they still are Bucks fans. But the issue is they become so attached 
to this one player, I guess because, you know, he's a number one pick. Um, I bet you a lot of people that are arguing with you about Jameis Winston also have a Florida State logo in their avatar. Um, that's another big thing. And I just feel like, you know, like I said, he's a local kid from Florida State. He won a national championship. Number The number one overall pick, the so-called, you know, savior, threw for a bunch of yards, broke a bunch of records. And a lot of people didn't want to see him go, which is fine, you know, to have your, your opinion. But this is starting to get a little extreme. I, th- I think you're, you're starting to have people really at- attack certain things that make no sense. And they're, they're really bringing up, well, Winston didn't have a run game and a defense. And now oh, now they're trying to get a run game for Brady. And, and Winston, um, you know, was, was screwed. Like, like it's some kind of conspiracy against James Winston, which isn't the case. They, they just weren't very good at at assembling a run game and a defense during Winston's time, which sucks. But I, I do think, just like Chris said, you know, once they start winning games, uh, or if they start winning games, I, I think uh, a lot of those fans will be j- just fine. So, Chris, floor is yours, my friend. I got you, man. You tossed another thing at me now that I want to go down the route of. But, oh, you know, you mentioned, like, well, Josh McCown didn't have an offensive line. Uh, did they help him out? Yeah. But then they drafted Josh Jameis. McCown had a worse offensive line. I mean, they tried. They tried for Jameis, um, which is another topic. But uh, first with B.A. I am not the hugest B.A. fan in the world. Uh, I was pretty vocal about uh, about that uh, in the beginning. I thought they potentially might have maybe gone in a different direction. But I think Jason Light had to save his job. That's my theory on that. And you can quote me. Um, I think he... He said some things in press conferences at the beginning of last season that I just was shaking my head because if you're asking about accountability for folks and then you're only holding certain players accountable and praising others, but if you look at the film, like, this guy's not playing well. I'm sorry. I don't know what you're seeing. You know, blaming the schedule and the dumb decision to back your kicker up five yards and just say, look, we screwed up as a staff. Not, uh, yeah, we meant to back him up five yards, and then the next day it's like, no, 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 we expect him to make it. I mean, come on, man. You're talking out of both sides. Let's not forget the double timeout in Carolina. Well, there you go. I mean, there's two, game, two games in a row that the staff potentially cost this team uh, uh, wins. They did it in in New York, or excuse me, against New York, and they almost did it against Carolina when everyone's uh, most hated player, Vernon Hargraves, made a huge tackle to to save that game. They're they're zero and three guys at that yep. point. And they would. I mean, yeah, they lost that Carolina game. That bad stretch that they had afterwards, they would have started the season one and six. Yeah, the the win, the one win would have been the Rams. So, uh, and that was the emotional, the emotional uh, interception return for a touchdown that was gonna kick, it was gonna spark the rest of the season. Bullshit. Anyway, um, I so I'm, that, I, I mean, I bought into it maybe because I was a little drunk watching the game, but I legitimately thought that the Rams <laughs> game was a, it was, I thought it was a turning point. I really did. I mean, I was at a watch party with our buddy James. We were at a Buffalo Wild Wings. There were some Twitter peeps there. Like everybody was having a great time. Me and me and Tommy were yelling at the top of our lungs. We're gonna drop fifty on these sons of bitches. It was an awesome time. And, and like yeah. I said, it could have been the alcohol talking, but I thought it was a turning point. I bought in at that point. I tell you what, when I hit the sauce, I go I go go off to Twitter and I say that Miles Sanders is gonna lead the league in all purpose yards next year, and I'm betting uh, Scott Reynolds on that. And how many other running backs are in the league? So <laughs> I get you, man. Port, uh, Peter Report did the same thing after that uh, win, you know, the, with going to Twitter and 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 tweeting emotionally, and I I, I addressed that with with them about that and how uh, you know, I don't know about this guys. So anyway, um, that's that's the BA. So if we look at 
Uh, the Jameis Winston situation and the fans, uh, it is a fact that when Jameis Winston was drafted, a lot of Florida State fans uh, started rooting for either Jameis or the team, and that can be argued, I guess. Uh, it is known that websites who cover the Buccaneers had more Twitter followers, more hits to their website. It was good for business. Okay, And I can tell you that as a fact because I've talked to people who saw the benefit of a Florida State quarterback who was very popular for Florida State fans, unpopular for other fans, but that's good, right? If you guys, the whole thing with Howard Stern of why do people listen to Howard Stern if you don't like him? Well, we want to hear what he's going to say next. So people who don't like him want to hear him, and people who do like him want to hear him. It's the same. It's the same thing that happened in Tampa with Jameis Winston. Um, what I've said to people since day one on this is just asking the question: Did they try to help Jameis? Not were they successful in helping Jameis. But if you look at the decisions that the organization made where you fire Lovey Smith but retain Jameis's offensive coordinator as head as head as excuse me as head coach, what was the reasoning of doing that? To keep that continuity, right? Offense was humming. We don't want to make a switch and then have to have Jameis learn a completely different offense. Did they re-sign Mike Evans? Yes. Did they draft running backs, Chris Godwin? Did they draft Ali Marpet and Donovan Smith? At the time that they were doing that, guys. This is where the defense was getting ignored, and they were trying to supplement that with free agency because they weren't drafting it. I remember when Lovey Smith was the head coach. With, oh, now we're just going to draft defense, and they went out and drafted an entire offensive class. So, yeah, yeah, it, it was the the twenty fourteen class. Yeah, it was correct. A, not not one defensive pick. So they, while they weren't successful, if we look at the overall team wins and losses, nothing else. Have they been successful over X amount of years? No. Did they try? Yes, but what they tried to do was build their roster around their number one overall pick quarterback. Their coaching decisions, in my opinion, Dirk NBA, were made for the quarterback. When you make those decisions and coaches are fired and draft draft picks then don't work out, right? Because a staff is there, they draft a certain player. Well, now that's not going to work out. So some of the draft classes, you got to kind of throw in the garbage. Some guys worked out, some didn't. But the direction that the team was going was trying to put pieces in place to support Jameis Winston. In the meantime, guys like Levante David, guys like Gerald McCoy, can we get some help too? I got to play next to fat-ass Chris Baker who doesn't give a crap? Come on. So in, in the midst of making all these acquisitions and drafting all these players and trying to create a, an organization around your quarterback, some of those other positions were lax. So yeah, the defense struggled for years. Uh, there, there are things that happen. Maybe the offensive line isn't performing up to the level of what people expect when you take a left tackle in the second round. But they're back, right? It's, and it's not like yep. it's new guys going in there every year. They yeah. tried, they failed, and it's time to move on. I mean, not only did they, you know, draft Donovan Smith <clears throat> and, um, <clears throat> sorry, and Ali Marpet, but they also, I mean, they gave Ryan Jensen a contract that at the time made him the highest paid center in the NFL. That's and, my man crush. That is my man crush. <laughs> Never yeah, since show true vision. I'll tell everyone, look, I'm a fan of the I'm a fan of the team. I'm not a fan of a player, but I will go to bat for that man, Ryan Jensen. Him <laughs> and Joe Jurvicious. Two favorite bucks of all time. I got a good story about Ryan Jensen. I'm sorry to cut you off, Evan, just really quick. Um, I was at American Social on Harbor Island last year. This was right before the season had started. And um I saw Ryan Jensen just kind of standing there, and I think he was waiting for Valet to pull his truck up because I, I walked up to him, and I tried as quiet as possible. 
I was like, hey, dude, are you Ryan Jensen? Because, I mean, there were several other people around, and I'm not saying all of them would have known who Ryan Jensen was, but I was so pumped to meet him. We look so alike, it's not even funny. I should have taken a picture with him. But uh, I saw his truck roll up. Have you ever seen that thing? I, I haven't. No? Oh, my God, it's it's beautiful. If you are a lover of large vehicles, his, uh, oh God, I think it's like a 2016 Ram, it is it's a sight to see. I even asked Bradley Pinion about it. And he loves that damn thing. So I just wanted to throw that in there because he was a really nice guy to talk to. Well, I'll yeah. get Evan real quick though. The, the thing with, with him, and I think I mentioned this to Mark cook, the on Twitter, I, I was, I watched Josh, uh, Josh McCown get destroyed and look like his offensive line just turned around and I'm like, Oh, sorry. You know, like, there's nothing we can do. And it didn't even help him up. Yeah. You know, when are we ever going to get a freaking enforcer on the offensive line? Ali Marpet's not, I'm sorry for years, not the enforcer. Maybe since Logan Mankins, uh, when I knew and I went and did the film work on this guy, I was like, dude, this is exactly what this team needs. People complain about Jameis Winston getting hit late and the cheap shots that are taking him. I, wait till the first time that it happens. I don't care if it draws a 15-yard p- uh, penalty. You're going to make a freaking statement, and Ryan Jensen is going to come after your ass, and he's going to knock you on your ass. Now, he got, he got targeted, in my opinion, a little bit for some stupid flags that were not on him, but he made a statement, and then his, his penalties got cleaned up last year. But it, it's nice to have an enforcer. Finally, my God, on the Chris, offensive line. While we're on the topic of Ryan Jensen, Chris, while you're here, is he a top three center in the NFL? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Are you All kidding right. me? Good. Good. I, I told is you, he, Evan. I told you there's people he out not? here who how agree he with not? me. <laughs> I, so, so I just don't. For one, I, I should go back and, and watch his 2019 again. Okay. Um, but I just look at, like, is he on the same level as a Jason Kelsey? Uh, I think you could argue he's probably the best center in the NFL. I I think a lot of people could argue that. Uh, I agree. And, you know, Alex Mack in Atlanta. Uh, Oh, he's he's better than Mack. I mean, I I, I would like to think so. Didn't he retire? I don't think so. No, that was the center for Dallas. No, it wasn't wasn't Mack. Travis Frederick just retired to Cowboy Center. Um. But I mean, I just I don't know. Maybe I I, I got to give him the benefit of the doubt here. I'll I'll be open to it, Rhett. All right, I'll, I'll give you an answer. I'll go watch the film. Game Pass is free. Game Pass is free. I go back baby. and watch it. So I'll go back watch and and come to you guys with an answer. But but I mean, like I said, they they paid him a lot of money, right? And honestly, Chris, you know that night when they signed him felt great for you because I knew, you know that, that you were you were big on him and you been you were big on him since like immediately like even before the season ended. The yeah, happiest, I've been, happiest I've been since they signed Joe Juravicious because that was my boy too. I wanted I was I was a white wide receiver and I wore the number eighty three in high school and I wanted white wide receiver. Give me number eighty three, <laughs> Joe J baby. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So you go. Joe. I mean, but not all, and also you know you gotta look at they kept Demar Dotson all around right to try to add protection there. Demar was a solid right tackle for many years. Drafted Alex Cap in the third round. Uh, you know, I know Chris is gonna love this. The hashtag weapons for Winston movement, right? Look, uh, dude, come on. <laughs> Signed to Sean Jackson, draft OJ Howard, like Bro. you know. I mean, and again, not that they were successful doing it, but you can't say they didn't attempt to do it. Yeah. And you know, the same people who were all weapons for Winston once, you know, are now saying, well, they should have addressed uh, the the line. Well, bro, you're just in there hashtagging weapons for Winston. And now three years later when it didn't work out, now you're telling me that they should have drafted the bodies when myself and Derek were beating that drum for how long? Like, guys, you can't go all on one side. It's got to, you got to, got to break this up a little bit. You can't just address your defensive line via free agency. 
it must be nice as as you know new 93 coming into the team you got jpp and you got shaq barrett and you've got and you've got vea you know old 93 mm. uh, jpp had a pretty damn good season that year right what was it 12 sacks i don't look i don't typically just look at one stat but it's nice coming in and having them finally start addressing i think ba's had a bigger influence on the draft since he's been here um yeah. i think he's calling i think he's calling the shots and it's, I think we I, saw I, that immediately last year. I think the shift was last year. You saw the influence. Well, when when you're drafting, you know, after Jason Light had drafted two corners in Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart, and then in the second round this year they draft a corner, and then they draft another corner later on, I, I think that's a pretty big sign that like Todd Bowles must have gone to Jason Light and his staff was like, look, like these guys ain't it. Like, oh, dude, know, they they want their own guys. They watched the film on MJ Stewart and like, oh, sure, this, this ain't it. We like yeah. you said, I think we're still we still need some help there. And I mean, they were one hundred percent right. I think I don't, you know, I I like the Carlton Davis pick, but the MJ Stewart pick was was a, a pretty big reach. But I mean, back back to Winston. I mean, you know, another key thing that they did in in that off season was not only promote Dirk Cutter, but they also re-signed Doug Martin to a big time contract and it was perceived that Doug Martin really helped out Winston. And then the, you know, Doug just wasn't the same. And, and a lot of that is because the offensive line just wasn't that great also. But back to your point, you, you, you can't ignore the trenches, right? And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people were upset about, you know, picking Vita Vea over Derwin James. And I, I, I like Derwin James, but I wasn't upset at the Vita pick because I was like, you know, this is finally what they should do. And I think we're, we're going to talk about the draft later on in the episode. But, I mean, yeah, just like you said, they, they tried to give Winston all the weapons he needed and, you know, the offensive line and the coaches. It just didn't work. <laughs> that, that's just the bottom line. It went defense last year, fellas, the first five picks. And then throw out the kicker. I mean, you know, that, that's just a pick, a fifth round. And the only, the only offensive position drafted last year was wide receiver. Now it's Scotty Miller in the, in the sixth round. So I'm pretty sure Bowles, staff, BA staff, all together, collectively looked at the defense like, we got to start drafting defense, guys. I mean, yeah. like, it's... Well, in, you know, I, I have a feeling that this year is going to be a lot of offense, though. Right? Just, just the way it shapes out. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's obviously injuries that happened with with Evans, Justin Evans, and uh, Beckwith that, you know, those were potentially players that were going to contribute on the defensive side of the ball. Unfortunately, you know, these injuries really, really hampered that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, boxing, uh, let me get back on track here. Sorry about that. I got really lost. Um, <laughs> so the Buccaneers made some more free agency transactions. Uh, they have been busy, as we know, that is the season. So let's get into some of the moves they made and your opinions on them. This one's going to be exciting. Now let's start things off. The Buccaneers brought back safety Andrew Adams on a one-year deal. He will return. And I believe this is his first full offseason with the team, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, good for him. So, I mean, they've got him back on a one-year deal. Hopefully he can contribute to that secondary next season. Some other moves that happened. Brashad Perryman signed a deal with the Jets. He is getting paid $8 million a year, which, quite frankly, the Bucks just weren't going to pay him that. They weren't. And I'm- a, a, a lot of people were upset at me. Like, they're, like, DMing me and stuff saying, well, oh, my God, like, can't believe they didn't keep Perryman. I was like, look, like, when you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, those are two of the best wide receivers in the NFL. You just can't afford to pay a number three wide receiver $8 million. And- just like the same thing with Adam Humphreys last year. I love Adam Humphreys, but the Titans just – they paid him more money than the Bucks could, unfortunately. I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely surprised that 
uh, Perryman got the market that he did. I thought he was going to be paid somewhere around like five or six. I didn't well, think he when was going to go when over he wasn't, when he when he wasn't being signed. I like after like a week, I thought he was coming back. Yeah. I um. I wonder if those folks watched the first half of, of last year because <laughs> everyone was calling for him to be cut exactly, uh, yep. and let go and, and got to get that uh, compensatory pick for this guy. He's awful. Mm-hmm. His catch rate was freaking awful. It was so bad. His first touchdown um, of the year, he didn't even mean to catch. Oh, I know. It bounced off uh, the, the defender's hand. Right? Is that Seattle? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So, and yes, Winston did help him make millions. I will agree with people, but also Mike Evans and Chris Godwin being hurt. Thank you very much to them. <laughs> Perryman owes, owes them, man. Their, their Christmas gives better be freaking uh, really nice uh, to, yeah. to Jameis, to Mike, and to Chris. And, I mean, a lot of people look at Prashad Perryman's six touchdowns. Well, he had three of them in one game against the Lions, um, you know, which, I mean, the Lions just showed very little fight in that game. And, you know, another thing, not only did Chris Godwin and Mike Evans go down, but Scotty Miller also went down. So there's even another receiving threat that was gone. So, I mean, you're looking at either throwing to Rashard Perryman or Justin Watson or Ishmael Hyman. Like, there just wasn't a ton of options. Look, and no offense, no offense to the gentleman. And I, but I just want to say he's on his fourth team in fifth year in the NFL. All right. So one year in Cleveland, one year in Tampa, two years in Baltimore. The guy's bounced around. I, I always tell you, go get paid, man. If, if the Jets are going to give you $8 million, they're going to guarantee, go, go get that money. It's not yep. guaranteed. NFL is not for long. Exactly. Yeah, it's really weird when people get upset about players getting their money. Like, if a player gets paid a certain amount and somebody's like, oh, he got paid way too much, at the end of the day, it's kind of weird to watch from a distance. But uh, you know how people are. Another- whatever, man. There, there is no such thing. I hate this word. There is no such thing as overpaid. The team may overvalue you and give mm-hmm. you a certain salary that maybe you would not have gotten from another team. However, if they're going to pay you that, you're, you're not overpaid. Someone's paying you. Now, may, you may disagree and say, man, I, you know, in, let's say Perryman for a, for a situation, $8 million if you're a Jets fan. Man, he could have taken that $8 million and potentially used it on another need, not really sold on Perryman, but let, let, the, let the guys make their money. You know, right. if teams are going to pay you, you're not overpaid. Now you have to see, is your production going to live up what you are paid? Left tackles are paid a lot of money, folks. If you don't like Donovan Smith's play, pay, play I'm sorry. He's not a guard, right? He's going to exactly. get paid. He's a left tackle. He's yeah. going to make money. It's hey, a position of need. What did we say earlier in the show? The cap is a myth, okay? It doesn't matter what these guys are getting paid. They're going to make it work. <laughs> yep. And also, I mean, uh, me and Chris have been have been talking on Twitter and stuff. And we've been really banging the drum for uh, Demarcus Robinson from Kansas City on Love like it. that on the you know the similar deal that Perriman got. I, I really think he would accept that. Well, what are your what are your thoughts on Robinson, Chris? Give me a guy who's got good hands, uh, good route runner, um, but also can f- can fill in. Here's the situation that I think the Bucks are as of today, and we don't know uh, future acquisitions that are going to be made via the draft or free agency at the receiver position. And yes, there's going to be a major drop off no matter what when you look at Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, right? You, they're, they're elite. Yep. But playing the position that they play behind them right now, giant question mark, right? So I'm not talking about slot receiver, but if, if Evans goes down, can, can someone slide, like Perryman did last year, let's say, slid in, in, in that role? 
Robinson could be someone who could do that. However, he could also be on the field at the same time as those two guys. But he's a guy who, and I watched him at Florida, and I'm not being a homer here just to say that, uh, you know, sign him because he, he went to he went to Florida. He has good hands, and he's a good route runner. Uh, if, you, if they want him to play special teams, I'm sure he can do that too. So I'm for it, man. I think, like you said, Evan, I think he'll accept uh, a – a value deal and maybe a prove it deal. And he could do something like Perryman and, you know, uh, have a good season and go make some money. Now we had mentioned earlier, you kind of used the phrase overvalued. I wanted to get this question in there really quick. We got news that Jadavian Clowney turned down a $17 million a year contract from the dolphins. Do you think he's going to get what he's out for? You think a team will pay him? Uh, At this point. They could – well, if you look at and, – and this is a situation now because, fellas, we don't know when when actual play is going to happen. Yeah. So there's always potential that someone goes down with injury and then you're kind of desperate and, and open it up to a player and, and pay them maybe more of what it would have cost you. So uh, I think there's injury concerns with Clowney. Uh, that's, I think, the big, the big issue. Uh, he's obviously a talented player, but, you know, I don't know. I, and there, was, there was players in the past that I'm like, ah, are they really going to pay this guy that much? But if, if a team does it, they do it. So I didn't even see that news that he turned down a contract, but uh, interesting. I, I, he'll, play, he'll play on a team this year. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, apparently, he's apparently the Dolphins offered him 17. He rejected it, and then the Dolphins went to Shaq Lawson and signed Shaq Lawson, who oh, was actually gotcha. one, one, of my, one of my free agent targets. But, you know, I wouldn't have probably given him 10 million. So good, now, good for Lawson. Lawson was my number one target for, for the Bucks in that draft, and they ended up taking Hargraves. That was my guy. I was, pump, I was pumping Lawson up big time. Loved his film. Loved his did film. They, did they pass on Lawson, or did they not get a chance to draft him? I forget. I think, yeah, see, Buffalo took him after, didn't they? I have to look at the draft. I feel like it was like 16 or something they took him. I think they did pass. I think, I w- I think yeah, they passed. Because they also passed on Sheldon Rankins, who I really liked. Yeah, good point, good point. Taking a look at some other transactions that went down today, the Buccaneers lost Peyton Barber. The news came out a few days ago that he was signing with another team, and then for some reason it took a few days to actually mm-hmm. confirm yeah. that it was the Washington Redskins, but they picked up Peyton Barber. He earned himself, I, I want to say, what was his contract, 1.6 two, or a little more? Uh, two years, $3 million total, so about one point five per year. Uh, I believe 600000 600K guaranteed, so... I mean, pretty solid deal for Barber. I mean, I think, like, I just don't think, like, it's funny because, you know, before the last season last year, Bruce Arians, you know, oh, I, after look at the film, you know, we got a running back. Oh, that certainly changed because, um, I don't know, maybe it was the emergence of Ronald Jones, but some of them must have changed because, I mean, if B.A. liked them that much, that's not a whole lot of money, and you could have fit that under the cap to have some depth there. But um, I always liked Barber, thought, he was a solid player, but I also thought that he had like hit his ceiling. So good, uh, good luck to him in Washington. Agreed. Yeah, I think we're going to see a completely different backfield next season. Do you think Dari makes makes the team? No, I don't. I think. I mean, if if you're going out and you're telling people that you're looking for a running back who can catch the ball, that was the role that Dari played last year, correct? I mean, so potentially for yeah. special teams, I don't think this is a guy that we're going to see on Sundays as the third down back in yeah. 20, 2020 into the you know twenty twenty one. Hopefully well, the big thing with, with me and Jonathan Taylor is everybody's saying, oh, he can do it all. Well, he hasn't really caught the ball much at all in college until this past season. So if you're talking about a pass-catching running back, I think a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or DeAndre Swift is is a much better fit if you're talking about a pass-catching running back. But, you know, we'll talk about the draft here in a few minutes. Yeah. Sure. I think it's I think it's Jones and then new player, new player, Dare, 
potential, you know, to make. Do you think that? Do you so? Do you think that's two draft picks or a free agent and a draft pick? I think they're going to sign a free agent here in the in the upcoming week at running back. I like like your Chris Thompson. I like your Chris Thompson. I think so too, man. Now. We've got some more transaction news. This is the most up-to-date one, and I saved it for last because this is going to be very opinionated. And Dominica Sue was brought back to Tampa at the beginning of the offseason. Bruce Arians came out and said that his top priority over anything else on the team is maintaining that front seven. With the signing of Sue coming back on an $8 million year, you can go ahead and check that off the list for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Evan, I'll give it to you first. How do you feel about Sue coming back? Well, I'm gonna try to do this short because I know I know that 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 Chris has got you know some thoughts on the Dominic Sue. This is what I'm excited. Trust for. me, <laughs> trust me. I mean, he's got the data to back it up. So, um, uh, he's overpaid. Like, I mean, oh, I'm sorry, overvalued by the Buccaneers. Um, I was gonna call you out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just I just don't I don't look at him right now at this stage in his career and see an eight million dollar year player. I know it's only one year, um, but I would have felt much more comfortable if it was seven, six and a half, like six. Like I, I just don't feel comfortable giving that guy eight million dollars. Like to be fair, I, he I just, did take two mil less than what we paid him last year. Well, I mean, well, nine point two five was the deal. Okay, last so a little year, over but, a mil. My bad. I mean, I know, I know a lot of people. Like a lot of people are telling me, "Well, Gerald McCoy signed for signed for less and for more years." Well, listen, I would have liked Gerald McCoy back, but this team ain't signed Gerald McCoy back. So, um, I mean, Sue, I mean, he was decent against the run last year, but decent is all he really was. I mean, does that really get eight million dollars nowadays? I guess so. Um, just like Chris had pointed out on Twitter on Twitter earlier. You know, Will Golston had a great year, and nobody seems to talk about it. He's making what, like four point seven five, and Sue's making eight. I would have rather kept that eight million dollars and used it somewhere else, um, maybe some depth or you know a wide receiver or something. But is what it is, and um, you know, like I said, in my battle plan, I let Sue walk, and then I end up signing you know two interior defensive linemen to sort of fill that void. But the Buccaneers felt like they uh, they needed him back, and now they got him back. So. Yeah, man, he's overpaid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, if I was uh, it, Evan, I would have gone in a different direction too. Um, and that's, it's nothing personal against Sue. I'm, I'm honestly just not a big fan. And it has no, And again, it's nothing personal with the guy. Uh, everything. A, a lot of people seem to make things so personal with a former defensive tackle, and it didn't like need he, to be that. I way. like you as a person. Your football just sucks. Yeah, you know, I, I just um, go watch the Tennessee game from last year and go watch the home uh, game where uh, we played the Saints. I say we, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, go The game pass is free. Go watch the film and tell me what you think about his effort in those two games. I'm just saying. However, we know after the staff evaluated last season, one top priority was Shaq Barrett. Two was JPP. And I'm talking about the defensive line. I'm not talking about uh, quarterback. Yep, and they got those done very quickly. And three was Sue, right? It's the pecking order, and that's perfectly fine. If you look at how they ranked the value, again, or or the need of those players, it went one, two, three, and Nassib was kind of the odd man out. Nassib was going to go get paid because that guy's all effort, right? That's a guy you want to have on your football team. That's an $8 million a year pass, uh, pass rusher. Dude, they drafted Anthony Nelson to fill that role, and I feel pretty good about him. Did I say it's Anthony, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So 
the team made it pretty clear, in my opinion, of what they wanted to do. I think it allowed him to test free agency. Weird situation where he gets rid of his agent, and then the next day the Bucks sign him, and now Very there's weird. Reports. There's reports that San Francisco and Baltimore were also. I think that was who Ian Rappaport reported that. Um, look, I, I'm I'm fine with bringing him back. I do think that they overvalue him a little bit because I would have liked to see that money allocated for a veteran safety. I understand Andrew Adams is there. I don't 100% feel that Andrew Adams is going to make the, the the final roster, guys. Mm-hmm. I think he's a depth. But could you go out and get a guy like a Tony Jefferson, who I think previously played for BA? Um, I think we need still some help, like we talked about, guys, at, at wide receiver and potentially another running back. I still think they need to pick up. They could have picked up another defensive tackle, I feel, for cheaper. And I still you know, am questioning cornerback and offensive line. Well, I mean, my the the way I look at it is like a guy like Shelby Harris, like he he couldn't have been like better than than Sue. I mean, he's younger. I I, I just feel like I feel like he would have been a better option than than Adamic and Sue. I've been beating the drum for years about you have to get you have to get younger a defensive tackle. Mm -hmm. And I have to commend the overall effort of the defensive line last year. And yes, each individual on that defensive line played a role. I'm not going to undervalue the role that Sue fits on this football team. However, I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass and tell you he's a good defensive tackle. He's average. Mm -hmm. He is an average defensive tackle. He is not the player he was six years ago. Gerald McCoy is not the player he was six years ago. However, we have hypocrites in this fan base who go after a certain player and put up his stat line, and then we'll go and look at Sue's stat line and, and it's garbage but then say, well, he, we have the number one run defense. Well, he, command, he commands a double team. He gets a lot of the attention. Yeah. Uh, the data the yeah. data is inaccurate. You know, if you look at totals versus if you look at percentage, Vea is double teamed more. Vea is a solid defensive tackle. Vea doesn't get the love. Golston doesn't get the love. Nacho didn't get the love. Bo Allen played a really good year last year, fellas. There's no yeah. drop-off. So kudos the, – the, where folks need to pay attention is this defensive coaching staff and the job that Todd Bowles did and the rest of the staff did in improving that defensive line and noting the fact that you have Shaq Barrett. When JPP came back, you've got – because when JPP came back, Sue got better. I will give Everybody credit. got better, I think. Everyone yeah. got better. I'll give credit because then you can't focus on one guy. I mean, you you got Vea, you've got Sue, you've got Barrett, you've got JPP, and NASA played great too, NASA, guys. Yep. And I think, and, and so, I think exactly what you just said is the reason a lot of people are expecting JPP to be the guy who leads the team in sacks next year. Because at that point, who are you going to block? You know, it could be, it could be. I, you know, and I, I, I'm telling you guys, Anthony Nelson, if he stays, that guy showed flashes. And I think I think he's going to fill that NASA role. So it, you, you look at it. I'm not upset by the move. I do think that they're overvaluing it. I just feel like it's very hypocritical for a fan base to r- completely obliterate a guy on social media. And, and Bucks Media did it, too. If anyone should have had a book written about them, it should have been the previous 93. Okay, because there's outlets who trash that guy. There's people who are producing Bucks content who ripped this guy for smiling and were reporting how long he stayed at a charity event. And then Peter Report comes out and says that uh, Sue is better than Gerald McCoy ever was for the Bucks after what the fourth game. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm I'm okay to say that because I address that with those guys directly. The rest I, I don't even want to mention their names. It's it's you there's unfortunately one guy's account was de- uh, deleted, um, but that's a whole other story. But uh, 
<laughs> we don't even need to go there. <laughs> However, that I mean the way the way that you treat one person who again was average as he's going out the door, guys. He's he yeah he, he's not the and we're talking about Jerry McCoy. All right, let's not beat around the bush. Yeah. I didn't want to make this a Jerry McCoy versus Sue thing. It's ridiculous. They're two different players. They serve different roles. But if you look at a stat line and say, this guy's no good, he's not worth this. And then you, why don't you look at the stat line and say, this guy's not worth this? Well, because you say, well, it's the number one run defense. Um, do you guys remember when the Bucks had the number one defense prior to this year? 2012? Yeah, who was on that team? Jerry McCoy. Okay, I'm I'm just I'm just putting it out there. I just wish people wouldn't be hypocrites and just look at things logically. I'm not upset about the signing. I just wish people would not overvalue what an individual player is. This is a unit. This defensive line performed very well. However, teams threw the ball a lot on that team last year. So especially early. Your oh, data is yeah. gonna be your data is gonna be skewed when you look at totals. I I I ask people to look at percentages, and you, we talked about this before we started the show, guys. What 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 is a double team? If a center comes and helps and chips, if a, you know, is that a double team or are you mm-hmm. are you actually engaging with two offensive linemen? So the next gen stats, it's out there for everyone. You can look at it. They show uh, Sue below the median when it comes to. Uh, percentage of double teams across defensive tackles in the league and a success rate is below the median and Vea is above. So I think, you know, as a unit, I hope they continue to perform well. I've said my piece on the situation. I don't have anything against him. I just don't feel that he is um, the player that people think that he is. I understand what the, the staff says about him. Look, if he's a good locker room guy, if he's a good leader, if he doesn't get stupid penalties... Although I ask you to go back and look at the offsides and compare it to the previous player, and then why don't you get up in arms about that? Um, I, you know, I just want the team to win, man. I, I don't care who's wearing ninety-three. I don't give. I don't. I don't give a crap. Just win, Just just perf- continue to perform well, and yeah. hopefully that happens. Yeah. Well, um, you do mention, you know, just the the dollar amount that he got, and you you said that you know possibly used on a guy like Tony Jefferson. It would, just a quick little note that I wanted to say on Tony Jefferson. The, the thing that would make a, a deal with Tony Jefferson difficult right now is the fact that you can't get a physical done. And I'm sure you know any sure. team that wants to sign Jefferson, uh, he's coming off of that torn ACL. It's any rough. team that wants to sign Jefferson to any amount of money is going to want a physical. And right now, like that's why I'm surprised that Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley was able to land a deal with the Falcons that quick. But I think they pretty much already had a physical. But um, one thing I'm looking at, actually, so Nadam Kinsu's sack totals. And I just don't look at sack totals. But his his sack totals are declining, like, every year. Um, and so I, it's just something funny that I thought about. He had two and a half sacks this past year for Tampa Bay. Do you remember two of them? Because I do. One, two, both of them were the quarterbacks just ran right into him. Kyler Murray was running, and just Sue just kind of clotheslined him. And then the same thing with David Blau in the Detroit game. So he kind of lucked into to two sacks there. Um, and I, I just don't understand the media really. This is the first time I've seen the media say even, you know, well, the stats don't show it, but he makes an impact. I, that, that's really the first time. This is the first time with a player that I've seen a lot of national media say that and I know that that you've been trying to you know say like he's average and I do agree that he's average you know six years ago he wasn't average Correct. six years ago Gerald McCoy wasn't average no you know right, right now I, I I still think right now Gerald McCoy is the better football player 
But well, he he does he does flashier things, and that's what I want people to understand. They're two completely different players. Just because the they they are you know their position says defensive tackle, they're in two they're in two defensive uh, different defensive schemes. And I don't know now what what uh, they run over there in Dallas. But you know Carolina was a four three right cover two. You know potentially I think I was think their Dallas base. is pretty similar. Yeah. So if you look at a three four, you know Sue's lining a lot uh, lining up a lot on the outside. With Vea as your true nose, so they're different players. Like one is known more as a run stuffer. One is to, to you command some space, bigger body, wide. One is known as a guy who's got a quick first step. It's going to put penetration up the middle and help out your your outside guys, your 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 edge rush guys. Um, the thing that what the old previous ninety three had to deal with was he they didn't have guys on the outside. <laughs> Yeah, so My, Michael he, Bennett, and that was before Michael Bennett was like real good. Michael Bennett, that was and then JPP on, and JPP for one year. Gerald yeah. McCoy played on some of the worst defenses this team has probably ever seen, and that's his fault, right? That he, let, let's all, be honest. All his fault. Oh, let's yeah. be honest. It's his. He's it's the, his he, fault. He's the captain, right? He should Levant, be the captain. It's, it, it's not Levante's fault. It's not anyone else who played on that defense. It's not the constant staff changes. It's not the constant drafts that didn't work out and the horrible signings by GMs. It's all on him, and that's all I want. I, I, look, guys, Jeremy McCoy's not my favorite player that ever played for Tampa. I feel like he got a raw deal on the way out, and I think there's a lot of people who attack him for the wrong reasons, and I think it's disgusting, and I think they should look themselves in the mirror, and people complain about the way that, they, that we treated our former quarterback. Again, send me the links of where media, send me the links to at BBP, excuse me, BBP Chris, local media, send me exactly how they trashed your quarterback that you loved and I will send you links on how people who produce content for Tampa Bay, how they trash the other guy on his way out. That's I, my challenge. Send it to me. I challenge you. I will say this about Gerald McCoy, and then we can go ahead and move on to the draft before we wrap things up. Sorry, guys. I got passionate about no, that. No, I, 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 I sorry. love we, it. Love it. Oh, yeah. We love the passion more than anything else on this damn show. I'll say this about Gerald McCoy. We can move on. I put out a tweet recently, and I'm just going to reiterate that. I remember being very, very just salty about Gerald McCoy on the way out. I wasn't a fan. I, I do of, remember that, right? Yeah, I was not a fan of how the situation was handled from the Bucks' perspective. But at the same time, my main problem with Gerald McCoy was the fact that he engaged with fans so much on social media. That pissed me off over the years because, I mean, we've seen countless players just get into Twitter arguments, but I don't think I saw it with anyone else more than I saw it with Gerald McCoy. Does that make him a bad football player? Absolutely not. But ever since he's left, the way that I've seen he stays connected with his teammates that he had in Tampa Bay. I mean, his son played basketball at Tampa Catholic, and you saw it on Twitter everywhere it was posted. Pretty much huge pieces of the Bucks team. Jameis Winston, Levante David, uh, I believe there were some other players that I don't remember who, but they all showed up to his son's basketball game. I saw him at the Florida State Fair the night that I went with his family. I mean, the guy loves Tampa. He's had nothing but good Wait, things did, to did say. You, did you go to the Florida State Fair with his family? or Did I? No, it, was, it was just the way you said that. I was just oh, no, I get, I get you. No, I saw him. <laughs> I looked at him, and I had to Brett make sure. Brett sees everyone. <laughs> Red saw right. He like he walked up and he go, "Hey man, are you Gerald McCoy? I like your truck." <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Just my luck, right? But yeah, um, y'all, yeah. y'all. Here's 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 sources. Hashtag sources. Breaking news, right? Yeah. Which yeah. means Gerald McCoy was going to come back in a Bucks uniform. 
he was in a Wawa. He was in a Wawa a couple weeks ago. I have the picture wearing a bucks wearing a bucks uh, warm up. Oh man! In a Wawa. Oh, man. Come on, in Tampa. You know what that means? He's coming back. Coming Absolutely. back. You know what's crazy no, dude, is that uh, this time last year and maybe the year before there was a report that came out that said Gerald McCoy was staying in Tampa. I don't know if you remember the report that I'm talking about, but that but was, it was literally Stroud. Was it Stroud? Yeah, Stroud, Stroud said it was last year. Stroud said he was staying. Because I remember the report came out that said McCoy is going to stay, but the one that I'm talking about in particular said that, like, uh, one of one of our reporters was outside of a jeweler in Tampa, and because he got this on his jewelry, um, it means he's staying in Tampa. And that was the narrative that they rode with. Not I, a lot of yeah, people I didn't. I don't really remember that one. Yeah, not a lot of people remember it because it wasn't up for very long. And yeah. well, Ren, one, well, Ren, one more said, thing. I, go, go ahead, go ahead. Chris. No, go, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say you, you mentioned you mentioned the interaction with fans, and you mentioned the Twitter thing. I understand if if people didn't like him for his personality, and I understand that the reason that they didn't like him was personal. I'm cool with that. Just admit it. Just admit it, mm-hmm. and, and admit that you, you are skewing. You are skewing what you are saying and what you were telling Bucks fans. If you are covering the team for whatever outlet, whether you make money on that or you don't, but if you're you're an official, you're writing articles and you're putting content out there. He blocked you on Twitter, dude. I understand you don't like him, but just admit that. Don't don't hide behind the fact that that's the you know we don't have anything personal against him. Of course you do. I hated Kellen Winslow Jr. Hated him. Well, apparently you had a right to hate him. I mean. Well, but I'm telling you, I hated the signing. I don't want. I didn't want anything to do with that guy. I didn't like Legarrette Blunt. There's. I didn't like Geno Hayes. Guys, there's a whole list of guys that played on the team, and I will tell you personally, I didn't like him. I don't. I don't have anything personal against Sue, so I'm gonna make it about the tape. So if you had a problem with the former '93, I guarantee you, the most people who are the most vocal about it, it was personal. Yeah, <laughs> I do want to. I do want to bring up one more. One more tweet from Chris. Actually, I believe it was it was actually it was yesterday. So just just to, to wrap up this this topic, really, you said, you know, and you replied it with a gif. You said uh, there's a news flash. They did this last year with another player before they did it to J- to JW. Difference is they replaced one of them with the best QB in the NFL history, and the other got replaced with an average option. Where was all the outrage? Yeah, exactly. To me, that's perfect. That's perfectly said. I I feel like you know. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people are were really like so happy when Gerald McCoy was gone and you know Sue was signed. Yet it's you know they weren't hanging on to Gerald McCoy like they're you know and now they're just hanging on to Winston. And you get I get twenty questions a day from people asking me if Winston's going to come back to be the backup and and how they hope he's going to be the backup. Like I, I just don't. I feel like Jameis Winston fans have a tough time moving on from things, whereas oh, with <laughs> Gerald McCoy, they were so ready to move on. Bro, he went to Oklahoma. I mean, so again, you, you're not going to have that vocal fan base because yeah. you know Oklahoma mm-hmm. Twitter is not going to be vocal as much as Florida State University Twitter is vocal. And I just want people to compare the statements of what this organization was saying. J Dubs was, and I'm, you know, he's he's my boys. I call him J Dubs. I'm going to write a book about him. Um, <laughs> He says over or under on know, 400 pages door number two 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 constantly saying we have to we, we like what we have but we're going to go see if, if we can get something better. Those were the words and the words previously and I paraphrase were well he does some good things but we don't think that he's playing at the level of he was a couple years ago right that was that was McCoy of course two, he's not 
Okay, so there you go. So it, pretty similar, right, to, to how the head coach and the GM, I think, even came out and said specific things. We're going to look to get better. Uh, option for Jameis. And the other was, well, we don't think he's playing up to his level. So it's very, very consistent with what this organization does and what BA has done. And I understand that people are upset about it because you're fans of that player. But mm-hmm. do the comparison, you know, and I, maybe maybe the other guy got a raw deal too. Yeah. Even though, again, I, I he's do. average. They're, he's average. They're both average. Just move along, folks. Uh, There's, stop remember. with the – God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do remember Jason Light's final press conference after they fired Cutter in the last offseason, and somebody asked him about James Winston, and he said, oh, Winston's you know his fifth-year option. He will be back. And then they asked him about Jerome McCoy, and he said, well, we have some tough decisions to make. That that's that's pretty telling, you know how you say was he's back, and then they ask about Joe McCoy. Well, we're, you know we're going to talk about that. They weren't so, going to pay I mean, him. Yeah. They weren't going to pay him. I get it. Exactly. It's a business decision. That, that was no the big problem. thing. No problem. It's a business. Although decision. I feel like you know they had what was McCoy making thirteen million? I believe he was due. Yeah, thirteen. They yeah. signed Sue for about nine. Like I, you couldn't have restructured some type of deal to keep McCoy. I don't think, I think he wanted. To, it was that you didn't. You didn't. I well, I don't know if they just didn't want McCoy at that point. I don't. I, well, I don't think I don't think he wanted to take. I know again. You know, I'm. This is uh, no sources. I'm guessing. I don't think he wanted to take less money, man. I think he felt at that point in the what he's paid and the dues that he's given to that organization. I think like, you, you guys gave me the contract. Like, I'll go play somewhere else. So let's let's just yeah. part ways. It, it made sense, guys. You know, a better move. Moving on from Jameis in the end may for Jameis be a better move. I want that kid to go be successful somewhere. Like, I want him to go be successful. Tom, if the Bucks win with Tom Brady, it may be a better move for them. Dude, why not? I, you know, like, uh, uh, except for the fact when we play Carolina, I wanted to be Carolina, but every other game, I hope, I hope he plays well. These guys that have contributed to our franchise, when we're not playing them, I root for them. I really want James to be successful, and then everyone can come back and say, "See, we told you so." And like, that's Tampa, guys. That's what we do. That's I mean, but that's hope- almost the case with look at Noah Spence in New Orleans now. I don't know how prominent Noah he's going to be on the guy. defensive line, but Noah, I really Noah hope Spence. he does well, man. Noah, Noah Spence is my guy. He's, we were, we I, tooted he, his I'm horn right convinced. here on the show all the time. I'm convinced he's still a, a solid football player. I'm convinced there's something there. I don't know why I'm convinced, but I'm convinced. I'm not there anymore. I used to, <laughs> not anymore. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. But let's move on to our final topic. This has been a great conversation. We're going to keep it going into the NFL draft. Now, we talked about some of the transactions earlier. The Buccaneers losing Brashad Perryman, Peyton Barber signing with the Redskins. It might shake some things up for what the Bucs are going to be doing in the earlier rounds of the draft, what positions they're going to go. There's a lot more possibilities that have opened up. Chris, I wanted to toss this one to you, man. Do you have a dream draft scenario? What would you want them to do rounds one through whatever? Yeah, I... um. I don't get it. I'm not going to get into specifics about certain players outside of maybe one uh, or a couple. Um, when I was while I was in the game producing content, guys, like God, my off season was spent watching so much film uh, on these college kids and, and breaking down. Like when we talked about Shaq Lawson earlier, like man, breaking down his tape, and I was like, you got to watch this Noah Spence guy because he's my yeah. he's my number two uh, defensive end. But I, I look at overall when it comes to a draft, especially for a team that was seven to nine last year. There are pieces in place. However, I think we need some. Uh, there's some deficiencies as well. Uh, I look at I, I am a, I like drafting the fat guys I, and I draft the fat guys early. Uh, I, I, Quentin Nelson was my dude. I was very happy, you know, with the Vea pick. Um, but I, I will say that Javon Kinlaw, 
Uh, I am in love with that man. I think he would be an absolute beast for this franchise for many, many years. And that's a situation if they choose to do so, guys. You can you can then your veteran defensive tackle and Sue, you can limit his snaps, not have to play him nine hundred plus snaps that he played last year. Most most I believe on the defensive line, right? That's me giving him credit. So thank you. I'm not a hater. Um, but you can you can then rotate more. You can have you know I think Kinlaw and and Vea together would wreck shop. I don't think he'll get to 14 because I think the, the guy's going to be the first defensive tackle uh, off the board. But we've seen do you, crazy. Do you think things. he goes before Derek Brown? I, I kind of do. I, hmm. I, I think Brown's going to slip. I, and I, I'm, again, I'm not the draft analyst this year. Well, I'm, would I'm you just, like Brown in Tampa? I like Kinlaw better. Yeah. I like I, Kinlaw. I, I, I kind of do too. At, at first, I was like all Brown, but like the more I've watched of Kinlaw, I'm like, man, th- th- this dude, the, the explosiveness that he has. And he's got a story, and he, it, it, God, it would be such a good fit for, for Tampa. Uh, I, I kind of attribute him to kind of a Devin White style of player, just, just this, the, the type of story that he has. Um, I, I think it, it'd be a really good fit. Um, it, I look at any of the top offensive tackles, obviously, the right side. Uh, still is something that I do believe that they will address. My concern, oh God, and they're going to probably do it to me if they go running back at fourteen, guys. I, I, I think I think it's going to be like the Guayo situation for me again, where I'm just like I just go out and get drunk with my friends and say, "What the hell did we just do?" Uh, can Aguayo, can, I was like, I think my tweet when that happened because I, I was out with my friends celebrating. Uh, it was someone's birthday. And I was like, uh, I, I sure hope Aguayo can rush uh, rush the passer because that's what they needed in the second <laughs> round. My God. <laughs> But uh, I think they like the running back from LSU. We were talking about that before we hit record. Uh, I do think that that would be an option in the second round. Then that'd be but, a much better option than at fourteen. Please, oh, like, yeah, yeah, John, Jonathan Clyde Edwards-Helaire at forty-five is so much better than Jonathan Taylor at fourteen. I'm just telling you all, if you like, you have to go and look at the what this league is right now. This league is not built upon the back of a feature back it's just not i'm sorry and if you sell me todd Gurley, well what why the hell did the rams just get rid of them they use the crap out of you for four years and they send you off and, and they and they move that you move on so when i look at value and what's needed look what they're doing to barkley and, and, and they had to go out and get a, a quarterback right and daniel jones that's exactly what the rams had to do they drafted Gurley. it didn't equate to more wins guys because then they they had the number one pick the next year and went to for jared goff there are teams that you know later on in the draft that that maybe go running back by committee like your New England and and like well who knows what they're doing now uh, and and like Seattle but those guys that they're drafting late potentially aren't putting up the numbers of what you expect for you know you're you're putting that collateral on a first round pick oh god I would hate that so much um, <laughs> what I don't understand about uh, the fan base right now when it comes to running back is why were all the people last year saying feed Rojo, feed Rojo, feed Rojo now saying we better draft a quarter a running back, excuse me, in the first round or in the second round? That doesn't make sense to me. I think when Rojo gets it upstairs, I think he's going to be a very, very solid back in the NFL. I think that's all you need. I do not like the workhorse NFL running back. I think we are in a different time. This is a pass heavy league. Look at Kansas City. I mean, outside of Derrick Henry. Outside of Derrick Henry, guys, 
you know, where are your workhorse running backs in, in this league? And how much are you willing to pay for that guy to work out that you're giving the 14th overall pick for a running back that potentially you could get three rounds later or just utilize the services of Ronald Jones and hope that that is that it goes uh, goes on upstairs for him. I think that's all he needs, guys. I think it's a mental thing for him. I think that guy's got all the skills. I will go back and watch that last game against Atlanta. I think maybe it was his best Best game. I think in the Rams game, too, he also had a really good game. Rams game, uh, I he liked, was robbed of a 100-plus yard stat line because of penalties yeah. bringing him back. That was probably, I, I think, his best game. I just I like the kid a lot. Um, I, 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 I like drafting fat guys. Um, safety, I don't know what you guys think are needs, man. Safety, wide receiver. Uh, I'm yeah. not... I feel like a veteran. I feel like a veteran safety is needed. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of people suggesting to be Grant Delpit in the first oh, round. No, 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 no. Don't no. do it. Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah, I don't. I think the last thing you could do to help that secondary is toss another rookie back there. I like no, a veteran. Don't do that. I like a veteran safety, some sort of veteran presence in the secondary. But on my board right now, number one priority is the offensive line. As it should be. Smart. Yeah, I mean, that's just where I'm at. That's what I want them to do at 14. I want them to take one of the tackles if they're there. I wouldn't mind Kinlaw whatsoever, but I am in agreement with you, uh, Chris. they got to get a fat guy at pick number 14. It's either okay, be offensive or defensive line. Rhett, here, here's the question. This is what was posed to me, and this is what Scott Reynolds and I got into a fight about. All right, here we go. Kinlaw and Kinlaw's there, and one of the four top offensive tackles are there. What do you do? It doesn't matter which of the offensive tackle it is. I mean, if you got if you it, your crush is gone, who, who's your crush? Your your. Uh, I like Andrew Thomas. Okay, he's not there. Yep, Kinlaw's there, but you got another one of the top four rated tackles. Where do you go? I guess I'm going Kinlaw at that point. Um, I probably go. Oh man, <laughs> um. Because my favorite, my favorite offensive lineman's probably Tristan Wirfs. Um, man, that's tough. Because I mean, that would also mean that I'd be passing on a guy like Jedrick Wills, and that's man. Three of the four are gone. Kinlaw's there. You got to pick between one of the two. Oh, it's man. the Derwin James Vita Vea scenario, guys. It What's really the bigger is. Need? It really is. Well, I mean, but the bigger need to me is tackle. Offensive, yeah. So I, I think I think the bigger need I would have to probably go with the the offensive tackle. I, I love Kinlaw, but I think the the uh, like the bigger need. I just I, I like just I said, send Kinlaw I, to Atlanta, Evan. You just send Kinlaw to Atlanta. No, I'm I know, I know. With 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 Dante Fowler, who's a talented player too, that would Bro, suck. 49, 49ers going to take him anyway. He's not going to get the fourteen. So it's all. I I don't I Kinlaw. I, I don't I don't think Kinlaw even makes it to thirteen. I think, like, probably, you know, Rhett, I'm going to agree with you now. I've changed course. I think nine Jacksonville makes a lot of I sense. I think Jacksonville Rhett, makes so. sense for Oh, oh yeah. poor guy. God, what a <laughs> shitty franchise. Yeah, yeah. No, the, well. the, scenario, the scenario that was painted for me when Scott and I got into a big a big fight on Twitter about it, and it's just it's not it's not personal, folks, um, was all, all defensive tackles are gone. That means Brown and Kinlaw, and all four offensive tackles are off the board. What do you do? And I said, well, dude, that means – Jordan Love or someone like that's there said, and this is before Brady. I said, I guess I take a shot at fourteen, or I trade down. Uh, he said, No, man, Jonathan Taylor at fourteen, or go get go get a wide receiver. I said, Dude, I'm not doing that at, at fourteen. No way. I, I would said, take uh, Caleb on Chase on fourteen. 
So I, was, I, was, I threw his name out there, and then I asked him about the Iowa defensive end and what he thought about him. So Because I, I still always look you know, big guys. But, uh, yeah, that's what sparked the whole thing. I'm like, please don't draft it. Please don't tell me that you're going Jonathan Taylor at 14. Nothing wow. personal against Peter Report. I didn't read your mock, Scott Reynolds. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I owe him a beer. I owe him a beer anyway if, uh, if uh, Miles Sanders. Uh, I got a crush on that guy, too. That guy's, I drafted him last year way late. Love that guy. Yeah, he's uh Miles Sanders is a exciting player. So I had, I had one more question for you before we wrap up wrap up the show, Chris. So out of the four offensive tackles, which one is is your favorite? Just based on you know what you've seen and what you've read so far. I, dude, corn fed, corn fed Iowa. Give yeah. me, give me Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska. Just I, and so I, I don't translation. I, I don't, Tristan works. There you go. I don't. I don't typically look at schools and say, oh, you don't want to draft a Clemson yeah. defensive lineman because look don't, at what they don't, did in the past. Don't scout by the helmet, right? Damn, yeah, sure, exactly. damn sure don't want to draft a Georgia quarterback. I can tell you that much. <laughs> but they, they feed the – there's something about the – like the, just the, the mentality of those guys up there in, in corn-fed country. Uh, give me an Iowa guy all day Boys long. Uh, yeah, and at 14, I don't know, man. I don't know if he's going to be there, but I, I, I would – I don't think he's going to be there. I think – I think the most likely to be there, honestly, is probably Andrew Thomas out of all four of the ta- the tackles. Like I, I just think I think, I think I think Trent Williams, wherever he goes, like the Bucks' best bet would be Trent Williams gets traded to a team like the Browns or the Jets. Good call. Like, that that's their best bet is, I mean, there's a real scenario where you know all four off of the tackles are gone and Kinlaw's gone. And in that case, I mean, I'm trying like heck to trade down, but if I can't, I'd probably take Caleb on Chase on. So who do you got? Who do you got? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, right? To cut you off. Who do you guys? Who do you guys look to when you look at people who? And I'm not talking about mocks. I'm talking about where they rank these players. What are the sources that you guys use that you trust? I I I, 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 I like I like Draft Network. I like Trevor Sigma. Yeah, he's, he's my boy. I was gonna say Draft Network as well. I mean, even with the later round guys, the guys that you know at the beginning of the offseason I haven't heard of to really get caught up to speed. Draft Network for me is probably the best way to do it. Yeah, I, I, Kyle Krabs is my dude, um, and he also he works for Draft Network. But that was a guy that I was interviewed on my show way, a long, long time ago when I was doing it. Um, but I do, I do agree with you, Evan. That I think of all that could potentially be there, I think Andrew Thomas might be the most likely. Yeah. So so if so so I'm gonna put you on the spot here, kinda. So let's say oh, all four all, <laughs> all four of the tackles are gone and Kinlaw's gone and Derek Brown's gone. What what would you what would you attempt to do? See that that that's the whole situation that I was presented with and I said I said what are the quarterbacks are there? Which which are the quarterbacks are there? I kinda like Jordan Love, man, but again, I I like Jordan Love too. I, I, I do like Jordan Love. <sighs> I but I mean I think he'll be there either way. I mean, would you still take Jordan Love at fourteen even with Brady in the fold? that that see, I answered that question previously not knowing. You know, assuming the fact that Winston was gonna be back because yeah. I, I I didn't think Brady was gonna happen, right? No matter what people were doing. I don't think me. many did. So I I, I really, at that point, I said, well, you go love. I, I don't know what to do at that point. I, you know, I really like the tape on, on the LSU edge. How do you pronounce his last name? Chase on? I, I, I've been saying it, Chase on. Caleb yeah, on Chase on. Somebody in the live yeah. stream told me that the other day, and so I've got it locked yeah. in the brain. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always at that point when your top guys are, are gone, how, you know, how, 
who who wants that guy? Who wants that quarterback? If it's Jordan Love at 14, who wants to jump you to block that other team from taking that kid? Um, but Bruce, but Bruce doesn't trade down. So, I, I, what do you think about the Penn State uh, edge rusher? Gross, 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 um, I like him. I, I, I think at 14 is kind of a reach, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just, I don't. It's a, such a tough question. Like, man. I would sort of feel, I would sort of feel more comfortable just like at that point, just going with uh, Josh Jones tackle from Houston. I think Josh Jones. Okay. You think he'd be available in the second? No, nah, probably not. No, you never know. Late first. I, I, yeah, Late I first. think I think he's like a like 20 to 25 that that range. I got gotcha. you. It definitely is a, uh, an interesting situation, and I mean, you brought up the idea of love at fourteen. If the absolute worst case scenario happens, if that's what the Bucks do, that for me would probably the, be the uh, the biggest balls of steel move that this team has ever made in the history of the draft. I mean, drafting. I would like it. I like. Or, I, I'd rather have a quarterback than a running back at fourteen. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. You you got you got two years. I, I feel you got two years of Tom. Yep. And, think, and Jordan yeah. loves Jordan loves twenty one years old. There's still plenty to work on, and he's got all the tools. I, I really like the idea of, you know, I would love for Jordan Love to get into the second round, and even if Jordan Love got into the second round, I would trade up for that guy. But um, obviously, that's not going to happen. But I'm going to get I mean, I'm going to get so bad. much shit for this, guys. So much shit on Twitter. People are like you're telling the people to draft a quarterback at fourteen. No, 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 no. Nobody, listen to, this nobody listens to our show, yep. man. No, 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 no. All these players are off the board. I said the Iowa guy. I said the LSU guy. I'm just throwing out the scenario of: Are you picking 14 next year? Ah, uh, I don't think so. I, I feel we're not, not. going to be. I hope I, we're not drafting. I think 14 I. Next year. I think playoffs are the expectation, so you're going to be drafting after 20. Yeah, and I don't think, guys. I don't think quarterback at 14 is likely. I just threw it out there. It's a crazy scenario. A uh, scenario. I think they're going to go a little bit later. You know, maybe the the, the Iowa quarterback or something. You know, fifth round, whatever that guy's going to fall to. But, I, I do like. I like Anthony Gordon. I was uh, reading up on him a little bit before the show. Um, Washington State. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I do like him. He needs a little bit of work. Uh, I, I feel like the situation that you'd be able to put him in, draft him in the fifth round or with that fourth round comp pick. Uh, I think if you're able to put him in that situation, uh, he's only a one-year starter. But I think if you're able to put him behind Tom Brady, I, I think he, he could work. And I'm a big fan of, of Mike Leach and what he's done there um, with his quarterback. So yo, yo, mean, you, we'll see what happens. You guys like Trevor, Trevor Sigma. What does he tell everyone? Mm-hmm. You draft a quarterback every year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's smart no matter what round. Why yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be first pick. Because, so, I mean, if, if, you hit, if you hit on one – and you already have a starter. You can just trade that for some something you need, like the the Patriots. Oh. They drafted Garoppolo <laughs> and Brissett, yeah. and you know, and had Brady, and they just traded them for picks. So we have got one more question, and we're going to keep it nice and short because we are about to wrap up. But Chris, we had talked about the expectations for people with Brady coming in, a lot of the moves being made for the Bucks. For a lot of people, it seems like Super Bowl or bust. Right? The expectation is that. The Buccaneers have to make the playoffs and have a deep playoff run is what a lot of people are expecting. Let me ask you, what is your expectation for the upcoming 2020 season, if it happens? Yeah, I think your expectation of any team going into the season is Super Bowl. I mean, you're, you're, that's, why, that's why you're playing the game. That's why you're coaching the game. Um, when, I, when I looked at when they were making a move at quarterback, I said, could they make the playoffs with Jameis? And I said, they could. 
will they make the playoffs with at this time Drew Brees, Tom Brady? I said, yeah, they they will. Um, some of the moves that the other teams in the NFC South are making, I think, are helping them a little bit. I was, you know, who knows with Carolina and who knows with Atlanta. I'm not, I'm not sold on Atlanta right now, guys. Yeah. Even though they've they've picked up some some players, I think Fowler was a bigger acquisition than Gurley personally. Yeah, um, for sure. But uh, I think this is the opportunity for this is a two team race. Yeah, I think I think it's an opportunity for the team to challenge for the NFC South. Uh, I think, uh, but I, I'm telling you guys, the, the Super Bowl goes through this year. I, I look at uh, Kansas City out in the AFC. I don't think Tennessee is going to duplicate what they did. However, they may. I, you know, Houston's declining. Who knows what Indy's going to do with Phillip Rivers? I, New England on the decline. Buffalo going up. Miami potentially going up. But guys, I think this is an this is an NFC battle this year, and I think the battles between New Orleans and Tampa. <laughs> As crazy as that you, seems, you, you, you think you're not saying for the NFC South, you're saying for the NFC Conference. I'm, I, I'm saying, God, it's going to sound crazy to say that, guys, but I, I, I feel it, man. I just feel like the winner coming out of the NFC South, but then you might not have the home field. Look, look I just look across the NFC. It's big. It's Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, fellas. Just, just freaking light it up right now. This is what it is. Prime can time, the baby. Defense, can the defense continue to improve? Can Mike Evans and Chris Godwin stay healthy? Can the offensive line do its job? If they do, playoffs for Tampa Bay, and then we'll see what happens from there. My God, can you imagine a home game? Can you imagine a home playoff game in Raymond James Stadium? Oh, my God, with all these sold-out bandwagon fans and their Brady jersey. I don't give a damn about the bandwagon. As long you as Raymond what? James yeah. can feel like a home game again, I am you so know how excited. Many people, you know, and, of course, I wasn't even alive for this, but you know how many people – have like told me or whatever. Yeah, man, I became in like I became a fan in like '96. Like I became a fan in like '95. Became a fan '97. I was like, well, that's when they were starting to get good. So I mean, everybody has jumped on a bandwagon at some time. Like, that's how you become a fan. It, it happens. Yeah, like stop. Don't don't complain about it. If you're gonna complain about it, then don't complain when the stadium's empty. You became a fan for a reason, and unless you follow the team since 1976, because you know you grew up in Tampa. Most likely, you were rooting for another team prior. I was. I was a Washington fan. I'd make you know. I'd, I'd admit that. Um, I was the black sheep of the family who didn't root for the the uh, the Eagles. And I went to a <laughs> home my game. Dad, against- my dad was actually a Dolphins fan. And then when the Bucks, when when the, when the Bucks were a franchise, they drafted Ricky Bell. My dad loved Ricky Bell, so he started yeah. following the Bucks. I mean, dude, the team was awful when I went to a Washington Tampa mm-hmm. game. But I was like, this is really cool. It's only an hour away from me, and and the, they seem kind of into their shitty football team and why not i'm gonna start going to these games <laughs> yeah and it's been tons yeah, so. of fun for you ever since right i was um, a bucks fan because of craig erickson folks 99 <laughs> percent of the people who watch our show just went who yeah <laughs> Bunch i of reckon i recognize fans i recognize the name i can't tell you like what i wasn't his number like 19 or something Craig Erickson, I thought we were 11. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I said that, I, but really, really, Trent Dilfer <laughs> was my favorite player back in the day. <laughs> no one likes Trent. Trent's my boy. Leave Trent alone. <laughs> Definitely an interesting, uh, interesting situation we have got in front of us with the way things are going to play out. We have to wait and see if the Buccaneers are still going to be busy in free agency. And then, of course, we have to wait and see what they do in the draft. The draft is still scheduled to happen a month from today. But yeah. it's going to happen in a studio location, and, and there were some reports that coming out today. There's owners talking about 
wanting to delay it, wanting to push it back, wanting to make it one round per day. This is something we've never been in the middle of before, folks, and honestly, I hope it's something we're never in the middle of again. But right now, we just have to hurry up and wait and uh, wash your goddamn hands. That's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Chris, thank you so much for joining us, man. This has been one of our best episodes in a long time. We loved having you on. This is a blast, and I'm going back into retirement. I tell people to be unique. I can't do any more shows because if you just have me on, I'm like, oh, it's not unique anymore. So uh, I, I like what you guys do. I really do. You guys do a good job. Continue to be unique. Continue to do your homework. Uh, you, you guys do. You guys really do a good job. I, I appreciate the content that you put out there. Hey, thank you thank so you. much, dude. That means the world. One more thing before we wrap up. Where can people find you aren't making Bucks content, but where can people find you yelling about the team? Uh, at BBP Chris, that's Bucks Brief Podcast, Chris. BBP Chris. Uh, I guess uh, what's my boy's name from uh, Pewter Report? Ledyard. I John guess he's Ledyard, now Bucks. I guess he's now Bucks Briefing. So a uh, little little. Novel. I was actually I, I, I saw yeah. that I, I saw that I was like hmm like I read an article the his article today about like other first round options and stuff. And I was like, Buck's briefing. I was like, hmm, that's pretty close. I get, yeah, I, get, I called him out for him. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I, I'm new. I don't understand. I said, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't care. A little I, situation. I, dude, I didn't, put a, I didn't put a space in between the two words because of how the, the NFL was, was potentially going after podcasts at that time for the use of the name. Right. So that's Ooh. why it was always one word. And the whole, the, the whole concept initially was like, I'm going to do quick 15 to 20 minute uh, short podcast, so it's going to be brief. It's a Bucks brief. It's like your daily. You know, this is what's happening. It just morphed in, into uh, something different. But you know, that was the whole initial concept, and I never separated the words, even though you know people always <laughs> space it. But it's all good. Well, we appreciate you coming on and allowing us to pick your brain before you head back into podcast retirement. We hope you enjoy it, buddy, and uh, don't stress yourself out watching this team. I know you don't, but. Jesus Christ. I mean, you don't have to talk about it week after week, so good on you. But thank you <sighs> thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. And uh, I won't say we're looking forward to the next time because we don't know, but we'll keep it open. You have our number. I like you guys. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. You can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. And you can follow my co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Evan Wanish, on Twitter at EvanNFL. Really sucks not having sports. I, I'm just I'm thinking about a tagline that I can send people over to your Twitter, and it, it like we have nothing to talk about other than the circles that we tweet every single day. It just, it sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Make sure you follow that. Leave us a voicemail, 813-433-0323. If you have a Bucks take and you want to send it in, anything at all, if it's 2 in the morning and you're thinking dirty thoughts about us, give us a call, 813-433-0323. you got two minutes or less to leave us a voicemail, and we'll bring it up on the next show. One more thing before we get out of here. Shout out to our sponsors at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. These guys have been helping out the Tampa Bay business community since 2001, and they're looking to do it for 20 more years. RJ and his experienced staff are on top of everything you need when it comes to branding your business. They have taken care of us so much as the official sponsor of the show. Anyone who has been out to us, connected with us, you have seen the flashy business cards. And I'm not even making it up, guys. These are some of the nicest business cards I have ever seen. It's like a matte... What's the word? Uh, it's like a matte finish 
I forgot the name of the word. A matte suede finish almost. And then it's got the big flashy CFP logo. You know it when you see it. They did all of those for us. They did the great t-shirts that we have as well. All of the stickers that you see around Tampa Bay. All in part of our friends over at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. You can give them a call. 813-684-5444. Or check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. I am Rhett Matthews signing off for Chris and Evan. And we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 